Abby Holscher with Slayton Holscher Farm in San Angelo, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Glad to have you back again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Well, I spent the weekend in Corpus Christi at the Texas Farm Bureau's annual meeting. We had a great crowd there, covered a lot of business, and we also heard from some really great speakers. We'll have a story on that convention to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The beginning of work on the next farm bill on Capitol Hill is not too far off, and like always, for those working on behalf of agriculture, the effort won't be easy. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today. A weed control and fertilizer combination to help reduce input costs in 2022. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Extreme South Texas is finally feeling a little fall in the air. It's still a busy time for valley agriculture. We'll have those stories and more in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Members of the state's largest farm organization met in Corpus Christi over the weekend to set policy for the coming year. Texas Governor Greg Abbott addressed the annual meeting of the Texas Farm Bureau via video. I want to say thank you to the Texas Farm Bureau for your tremendous work to fight for our farmers and ranchers, to defend private property rights, and to keep Texas the number one state in America for agriculture. And thank you to our farmers and ranchers across Texas for the role that you play in keeping Texas the greatest state in America. The fact is, agriculture affects all of us, from the clothes on our backs to the food on our tables. Abbott praised the organization for its leadership in reforming the Farm Animal Liability Act this year. This year, we took action during the session to update the Farm Animal Liability Act to further defend our farmers and ranchers. This law expands liability protection for Texas ranchers and landowners, and it would not have been possible without the support of the Texas Farm Bureau and its members. And I want you to know that the state of Texas will always have your back. Remember this, we want you all to succeed. In fact, we need you to succeed because when you succeed, Texas succeeds. South Texas farmer and rancher Russell Baining was re-elected president of the Texas Farm Bureau at the meeting. He has served in that position since 2014. A Texas dairy will soon be producing biomethane. A dairy in the Texas Panhandle will soon help fuel natural gas-powered vehicles across the nation. 
Total Energies and Clean Energy plan to build their first biomethane production unit on Del Rio Dairy Farm in Friona. The plant will utilize livestock manure from the dairy to produce more than 40 gigawatt hours of biomethane a year, which will be distributed by Clean Energy's network of fueling stations. It will help power between 200 and 300 trucks per year, according to Total Energies. Andrew Littlefair, president and CEO of Clean Energy, said the project in the Panhandle helps to address the increasing demand for renewable natural gas by fleets. He said it will help them meet their target to provide renewable natural gas at all of their North American stations by 2025. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Areas of the Texas Panhandle saw record high temperatures last week as dry conditions continue here in the fall. Coldy Fletcher is with A-Team Feeders in Bushland, Texas, just west of Amarillo. He says it's been hot and dry so far this fall. Um, it's it's dry right now. Um, it's uh, a rain wouldn't wouldn't hurt at all. So <laughs> pulling sick cattle has been a little heavier the past three days. Definitely uh, ready for it to get cold and stay cold, and and then a rain pretty much. But cattle have been been feeding very well. One thing about it is whenever it's not raining, it's pretty easy to feed cattle. It doesn't make the pens muddy. Fletcher says he's dealing with the same problems other cattle producers face, like increased feed costs and supply chain issues. The beginning of work on the next farm bill is not that far away. James Hunt tells us it will once again be a tough battle to fight. The 2018 Farm Bill currently in effect is not scheduled to expire until 2023, but already preliminary discussions about putting together the next one are taking place. And as usual, agriculture's allies face some challenges. Dr. Bart Fisher, co-director of the Agricultural and Food Policy Center at Texas A&M University, has concerns about the process ahead. One is that just over time, increasingly, traditional agriculture is accounting for less and less of the farm bill. After some recent changes, administrative changes from the current administration, SNAP is now in excess of 80% of the farm bill. And so just over time, traditional agriculture, the traditional farm safety net is just taking on less and less of a role. Uh, we've also seen over time that there's been a lot of budget pressure to reduce spending on farm policy. And so successive farm bills have really tried to focus and hone in. You take the 2014 farm bill, for example, that eliminated the direct payments. We've really tried to make sure that the farm safety net is focused on risk management. But we've also seen that it's also required you know, a lot of ad hoc aid over the last few years to stay alive. So the question I have is, is there a way to be able to address some of that in the upcoming farm bill and absent a, a groundswell, I don't necessarily see it coming. And so I think we're going to have to be careful going into the next farm bill because obviously production agriculture relies on the farm safety net to do what they do. Another concern, next year is an election year, which could complicate efforts to make progress on the farm bill. I talked with Dr. Fisher while he was in Amarillo last week for the Farm and Ranch Show. Texas A&M's Ag and Food Policy Center has a long history of helping lawmakers work on ag policy issues, and we look forward to future updates from Dr. Fisher and his colleagues as the next Farm Bill is assembled. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There's a new product on the market to both fertilize and control weeds in pastures. Tom Nicoletti has more. My guest today is Scott Flynn. He is uh, an integrated field scientist with Corteva AgriScience. And uh, Scott, uh, you folks have a, a new uh, product for commercial use in 2022 called 
Alta Gray's Pasture Weed and Feed. Uh, talk about that product and how it's going to help producers. Yes, so the Ulti Gray's Weed and Feed system takes a dry fertilizer and we impregnate on that dry fertilizer one of uh, two products, Duracore herbicide or Graze on Next herbicide. And doing so, we give our producers the ability to fertilize their pastures and implement a weed control program in one pass, saving ourselves some, some money on application costs, which is going to be critical now with nitrogen getting even higher that we can do both of those in in one pass. So this new product for 2022 certainly will go a long way in helping producers with these extremely high input costs that they've incurred in 2021. Absolutely. We look at a herbicide application in general. The application cost can be as much as half the total cost that you you spend on that application. And when it comes down to making a decision between applying a herbicide or putting on nitrogen, you have several options to weigh to begin with. And, And that application cost certainly plays into it. Combining those into one application helps ease some of that concern and and gives us the ability to to do both on that pasture. By getting control of the weeds and then promoting the growth of the desirable forages in there to overtake those areas again is going to be key. That is Scott Flynn with Corteva AgriScience. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Extreme South Texas is feeling fall in the air now, but Jim Hearn says it's a busy time for Valley Agriculture. Fall is in the air across extreme South Texas. Morning lows have been dipping into the low 50s, while daytime highs are near 80 degrees. Fronts are now making their way all the way through, and some rain, which of course is always a plus. And we're seeing the fruit now start to color up on the tree naturally, so we won't be needing to send it to the degreening rooms. Now, the sugarcane harvest also is continuing. They're continuing to dodge what little rain showers we've had. It looks like a good crop, though, is in the making. Livestock producers are baling hay, and it's been a good hay year for them. Stock tanks are in excellent shape with the recent rain, as well as cattle's condition. Vegetable producers are planting and harvesting. The young onion crop is now up. Looks good. Cabbage, carrots, and salad greens are also being harvested. Row crop producers, well, they're getting bedded up their pre-plant fertilizer, and it'll be about three months from now, and we'll start seeing cotton, corn, and sorghum all being planted. Now, gin yards are starting to get a little more empty. The final bale count, we should have that coming up shortly. Citrus producers are harvesting some fruit. The early estimates of two tons per acre uh, were accurate for most grows, but some are coming in as high as five tons, and that is meaning big money back to the producers. Fruit is a little later this season because of the late bloom. The trees uh, did bloom about six weeks late, and uh, basically will be all the fruit, though, bringing great, great prices. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley reporting for Texas Ag Today. Woodcock hunting season opens soon. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. And laminitis is a very tough disease to treat in horses. Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at that coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today. It's been a tough year. As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful. Things like the economy, 
finances, weather, and even a pandemic increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit. But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, Farm Bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors. We are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit swagcenter.org stress to learn more. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Laminitis is a tough disease to treat in horses. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes another look today at some of the treatment options for this problem. Last time I talked about the main methods of controlling pain in laminitis are non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs and icing the feet. Opioids can be used for pain relief or are effective, but in most cases last only a short period of time and can cause significant side effects. Transdermal use of fentanyl patches applied to the skin has shown some long-term pain control. Lidocaine can be given as an intravenous drip and it has been shown to be helpful with pain, but since continuous IV administration is required, its use is limited to hospital cases. Gabapentin is a neuropathic pain medication that has been shown to be helpful in some studies. Pentoxifylline has been used in horses with variable results and absorption of the drug is questionable. The drug is supposed to increase blood flow to the foot, but this was not found in one study. Isoxaprine is a drug that has been used in horses for navicular disease with variable results and is also supposed to increase blood flow to the foot, but this again has not been shown to occur in studies. The tranquilizerase promazine has been used to increase blood flow to the digit in horses with laminitis, but because high levels of the drug are required, side effects can be common. Even stem cells have been used in treatment and were effective in some studies. Acupuncture has also been shown to help in decreasing pain in some horses. The point of all this is that there are lots of pain medications and treatments reported to be effective for laminitis. And unfortunately, many are not as effective at pain control as reported. Laminitis is a very painful condition that is still difficult to treat even with all the research that has been done. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Woodcock season opens soon here in Texas. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. There are many opportunities for Texas hunters this time of year. The white-tailed deer, quail, and turkey hunting seasons are open now, as are the seasons for species that aren't hunted as often, like snipe and woodcock. Woodcock hunting opened December 18th and runs through the end of January. Owen Fitzsimmons, Webless Migratory Game Bird Program Leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, joins us with more. We do know that when it's really cold and wet in some of the northern states, we tend to get a few more. I have heard a lot of reports already this year that there, people are seeing them more than usual. So I think this year might be one of those years that we do get a bunch here in, in the state. And I was actually in the Wharton area last week and we saw a couple down there. So I think it's looking pretty good this year. You know, Woodcock can be found from basically Texarkana down to the upper Gulf Coast. Woodcock are about the size of quail. 
They have long bills that they use to probe the ground for earthworms. During the day, they roost in thicker brush and they feed at night, which can make finding some challenging. They're definitely not easy to hunt. During shooting hours, they're typically in the thickest stuff you can imagine. But what most hunters do, at least in Texas, because we have so many briars and, and things that'll tear your clothes up and tear your dogs up, most people kind of skirt around the edges of some of those thick areas. The thought process is, I guess, it's better to shoot a few and have an easy day of walking than to try to get in that thick stuff and not even be able to shoot. So they're tough to hunt, but they're a rewarding and unique experience. I'll say that. Woodcock hunting is popular up north and in Louisiana. It's not as popular in Texas, but it's a challenging and unique experience for those willing to try. As far as places to go hunt, check out the National Forests, Davy Crockett, Sam Houston, those places like that. Some of our eastern WMAs that are in those areas too. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It was a mostly lower trade in the cattle and cotton markets on Tuesday, but the grain markets moved higher. We'll take a closer look at all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It was a mostly lower close in the cattle and cotton markets on Tuesday while the grain markets moved higher. We'll start with the cattle, as we always do. We were lower on all the contracts except the nearby December live cattle contract. It was up a nickel, closing at 138.22. February live cattle down 42 at 139.22. April live cattle dropped 42 cents, closing at 142.45. Feeder cattle finishing lower across the board. January feeders down 22, 165.02. March feeder cattle down 47 at 167.47. The April down 52 at 170.20. Cash-fed cattle market all quiet on Tuesday. Nothing to really report. No bids or asking prices. And, of course, no sales to report. Box beef prices lower on Tuesday. Choice down 293 at 269.60. Select down 89 cents, 256.96. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. You need a livestock market operator report from the Coastal Bend. Rodney Butler, BBL Livestock. Rodney, how did your Friday sale turn out, son? We got along real well Friday, sir. We had good calves, and they sold real well. And Piker cows and bulls were a little were a little higher also, so we had an active sale Friday. Let's walk the pins. All right, we had 689 head of cattle, no horses, and we had seven sheep. Your 200, 300-pound steers were $1.45 to $1.80. Heifers, $1.20 to $1.35. Your 300, 400-pound steers, $1.52 to $1.97. Heifers, $1.32 to $1.53. Your 400, 500-pound steers, $1.50 to $1.91. Heifers, $1.29 to $1.81. Your 500, 600-pound steers, $1.00. 44 to $1.80. Heifers, $1.29 to $1.81. Your 600 to 700 pound steers were $1.29 to $1.49. Heifers were $1.25 to $1.50. 
Your 700 to 800 pound steers were $1.23 to $1.39, and heifers were $1.11 to $1.20. Packer cows brought anywhere from 30 cents on the low end to 78 on the high. Packer bulls brought from 72 to 85. Stocker cows, young stocker cows, we had a few of them this Friday. They brought anywhere from 78 to 90 cents, with some bred cows dollaring out around that 850. We didn't have any pairs or horses this week, but we had a real good sale. I thought the market was stronger throughout the whole sale, especially on your good cattle. Your big heavy cattle were, sure enough, 5 to 10 cents higher, sir. How do you feel about the coming Friday sale? I know of several bunches of cattle that didn't, they were just waiting. They were going to sell last week, but they didn't get them worked. But I know several bunches of cattle that are going to get worked uh, this week. So I imagine I'm looking for another good sale. Hopefully our market stays strong. So end up with a good year. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Yes, sir. Young call me at the sale barn at 361-358-1727 or young call me on my mobile, 645-5002. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report for today. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs close mix. The nearby December was up two cents, seventy two oh seven. February hogs down a dollar sixty seven, seventy six fifty five. Class three milk was higher. December up a penny, eighteen sixty seven a hundred weight. January milk up thirty eight cents, nineteen fifty six a hundred. The cotton market closed lower as traders began to position themselves ahead of Thursday's USDA crop production and supply and demand reports. We close with the nearby December contract down 74 points, 111.27. March cotton down 64 at 106.37. New crop December cotton down 29, closing at 89.78 cents. The corn market finished higher, taking back some of the losses we saw the previous day. December corn up two and three quarters, 586 and a quarter. New crop September corn up two and three quarters, 565 and a half. The wheat market finished higher as traders keep a close eye on the Russian military buildup. There's fear of another Russian invasion into Ukraine, pitting two of the world's largest wheat exporters against one another. We close with July Kansas City wheat up three and a quarter, 818 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat up two and three quarters, 801 and a half. In the energy markets, January natural gas up seven cents, 372. January crude oil up 235 at 71.84 a barrel. The financial market sharply higher Tuesday afternoon. The Dow up 439 points, 35,666. The Nasdaq up 422 points at 15,650. The S&P up 86 at 4,678. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.